When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2022 details. Welcome to the RPGBot.News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And also Ash Eli. Hey, guys. All right. We're here for the news. I suppose we got to hit it. Uh, hey, folks, next year, we're finally going to get the D&D movie. <laughs> finally. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about tonight, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. And that will be the beginning of every news episode until the movie launches and probably for several weeks after. <laughs> probably yeah good good it's amazing you gotta see it um I, you know did any of you get tickets to the premiere in your inbox yet nope is, is that me neither can i do uh, that I mean, I'm, I'm trying i mean I'm, but anyway just if, you're... if they don't give us premiere tickets what does that say about us i mean obviously they're gonna they're gonna give it to us right yeah yeah right no that's my <laughs> expectation yeah do it we you cowards <laughs> Give us large creatures and also tickets to the D&D movie. Please. It's all we want. <laughs> okay, so no kidding. Uh, yeah, Tyler, what's happening? Today we're going to talk about the very first Wizards Direct. Now, we got the first D&D Direct earlier this year, and I guess Wizards thought that was pretty great. So now they did a, a general Wizards Direct. Now, I am not qualified to talk about the Magic the Gathering stuff, so you're going to have to find a different podcast for that. But we're going to talk about the D&D stuff because there was a lot. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. So I suppose if we're going to talk about this, you know, a lot of announcements, a lot of things happening, probably the most important thing that we could talk about in the media was the really cool Japanese language commercial for D&D that came out. Absolutely. That was 100% the most important thing that happened in the entirety of the Wizards Direct. I, it's what everybody's been looking forward to. I adore everything about this commercial. <laughs> it is the most Japanese commercial. It's just, it's, it's well, very good. Uh, I was saying before we got on the podcast, it's, it's like... It's got Final Fantasy inspiration all over it, you know. Closing your eyes before a big dramatic music drop. Um, the power <laughs> of friendship. It was, oh, it was mwah, glorious. At, at the same time, it is perfectly D&D. Yes. Like, it exactly got the tone right. Uh, the wizard fireballs the zombies, kills them all, as the ranger is attacking uselessly, which is just <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, the fighter perfect. just has a flaming sword and is just, you know, looking cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I always shoot dust clouds just in case. You never know what a dust cloud's going to do. Yeah, and as, as is usual in most D&D sessions, the wizard is the one that carries the entire fight. Yeah. yeah. He's going to fight that dragon solo. The wizard. The wizard. <laughs> so just a, a quick summary of this thing, because you're sitting at home. First of all, there's a link in the show notes. Go watch it. Yes. Uh, but, but second, there's, uh, there's this moment where the party is scared to fight a few zombies, maybe because they're on fire or something, and then they finish that off, and then they immediately think, that went well. 
let's fight what is obviously an adult dragon. <laughs> All right. I think we've beaten this horse. Uh, real quick, one, one last thing. So Call of Cthulhu has long been the number one tabletop RPG in Japan, and Dungeons & Dragons has never really caught on. To the best of my knowledge, there has never been an official translation of D&D into Japanese. So it looks like Wizards is actually making a play here to try and break into the Japanese tabletop RPG market. So, you know, hopefully that means more support for Japanese language source books in the future. I will say I think they have an uphill battle because uh, the problem is, is that D&D is a very Western European fantasy centric sort of mythology. I'm not saying that doesn't play well in Japan. I'm just saying it's um it's a different style than like what the RPGs that are usually popular in Japan. True. Yeah, I mean can you can you imagine a Japanese RPG with a fighter, a mage, a creature controller and a thief? Okay. I can't think of one. Uh, okay. I'm not saying it's also, impossible. And obviously, this also this Legend of Zelda exists. True, but this adver- this advertisement <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely uh, 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 phrased it in a way that yes, yes, I could see it working. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what comes of this. I'm hoping we get uh, some better East Asian inspired content from D and D than we've gotten historically, because historically it has been problematic at best. Yeah. Speaking of, I believe uh, Adventures in Rokugan released recently, so that's something. Oh, <laughs> we'll have to look at that on a different episode. For sure. So let's talk about the announced products that we got next year. So we got five product announcements of uh, varying degrees of awesomeness. So first one is Keys from the Golden Vault, and we know very little about most of these. Keys from the Golden Vault, it's supposed to be a collection of one-shot adventures themed around heists. So if you've enjoyed uh, Radiant Citadel, Candlekeep Mysteries, those collections of short adventures like that, this is going to be along those same lines. But again, heists. Everybody enjoys a good heist story. I'm looking forward to my own Ocean's Eleven, except for I don't actually want <laughs> 11 party members because that's a nightmare. Yeah, I think uh, a good heist in D&D is hard to pull off, so it's nice to get options and stuff for that. Um, I, as someone who has tried to run a heist in the past, it's it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That actually uh, be I, one of the cool things is just having the inspiration from like lots of examples that are well structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got uh, Big B presents Glory of the Giants. So we got an unearthed arcana themed around giant options recently, which you know the uh, the barbarian that lets you throw things thirty feet into the air. That one. So apparently. That leads into this book. We don't know much about it. It's clearly around giants, but we we hypothesized previously on the podcast that they would be doing some kind of redux for Storm King's Thunder. So maybe this is that, maybe not. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's a likely explainer for the UA content on giants, which honestly probably means we missed. Yeah, I think we were wrong. <laughs> I was so sure that they were doing that, but... I guess I was gone. How how can I twist this in a way that makes me both wrong and right at the same time? <laughs> the pod- just lie on the podcast. Oh no, we totally called this last time. You need to take a, a note out of a politician's notebook. So, 
<laughs> product number three, uh, the Fandelver campaign. Uh, that is all it's being called as far as I've seen so far is just Fandelver campaign. If you played the original 5e starter set, you're familiar with the Lost Mine of Fandelver adventure, which is how a ton of people got started with Dungeons and Dragons, especially in 5th edition. So it has this very unique place in the community's heart, even though we've now gotten two other starter set options. So they're now turning Lost Mine of Fandelver into a full campaign. Now, I'm not entirely sure if it starts from the end of Lost Mine of Fandelver or if it, like, completely reworks it. You start from level one and it takes you all the way to whatever, but it is supposed to be a full-length campaign. I'm excited to see what they do with it seven years into the game. Yeah, seven years? Yeah, seven years. As someone who's played the Fandelver campaign, uh, I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> uh, it's I actually going to be. Was, I thought it was good in some ways and bad in others. Like the the very first encounter, TPKs people and it's two goblins. Um, Isn't it like four like goblins? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really good at introducing the themes, concepts, and tropes of the game. It's not super well balanced or paced, and I don't think it really does a great job helping DMs. So, like the more recent starter set options, the starter or the essentials kit and dragons of Stormwreck Isle, those are going to be much better tools for learning to DM. But the Fandelver campaign it can still be a lot of fun. Yeah, that was the first campaign I both. I played for D&D slash DMs. My first game I ever did for D&D was <laughs> me DMing, and it was the Fandelver campaign. And wow, that first encounter basically TPK'd <laughs> my party. <laughs> so I had to retcon some stuff. I was like, yeah, that doesn't actually happen. Yep. Uh, product number four, the Book of Many Things. So this is supposedly new options for both DMs and players. I think this is going to be the next, like, Xanathar's, Tasha's, this. We don't know exactly what's in it. Probably some stuff from the Unearthed Arcana that had, like, the card options in it. Like, we had the the Summon Marshall character and uh, the House of Cards spell and other stuff like that. So things like that are probably going to be in here. Other than that, I don't think we have any information yet. Um, anyone want to wildly guess? No, I got nothing. No, just... I got nothing. <laughs> uh, just rattling heads. No. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested actually in whose book is this going to be? So it's got to be like, you know, Bigby's covered already. They're not going to give B, Bigby two in a row. That's true. I feel like that's uh, the betting market we need to put together. Volo, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they they gave Mordenkind in a second one. Why not? Yeah, I feel like no, okay, they bring yeah. back one. Okay. Can they bring back Melf? Can Melf get a book? Maybe. Uh, we should lobby for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melf would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if it isn't, it should be now. Um, and right, that was that was all the product announcements that we had the entire time. There was nothing else that people were super excited about that we need to talk about, right? No, there's one um, more it, thing. Nah, I don't, I don't know. If, I mean, do we need no, to talk about that? We do need to talk about it because it's very important, Randall. It's very important. <laughs> <laughs> all right make make the announcement <laughs> product number five will be announced on the next podcast episode <laughs> it's planescape it's oh, planescape no. <laughs> they're doing planescape i called it i was right planescape those you who, were right those who doubted me bask in my vindication 
I have some things to <laughs> uh, Yes, I'm excited to see Planescape. <laughs> um, this is a setting that I'm not super familiar with, but which I've gotten like little, little splashes of exposure to over the years. And it's always been like, well, that's insane. Tell me more. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do with this in fifth edition. Yeah, it should be a darker tone than most, um, most of the other stuff besides Curse of Strahd. Um, Planescape is a very political sort of uh, setting, um, dealing with like uh, the Lady of Pain and the remnants of the different factions after the faction war and all that stuff. Um, so I'm very excited. Uh, it was definitely the most hype part of the announcement for me um so yeah i'm excited to see what they do this do with this yeah they definitely saved that one for last for a reason like here's these four cool things and then planescape yes (laughs) (laughs) all the comments start firing off yeah the the chat the live chat on twitch was nuts yeah so they also announced this new cool thing called dnd digital um, now this gave me flashbacks to fourth edition. We'll get into that in a sec. So all we know about D and D digital so far is it's being marketed as a full digital play space. Now we don't know exactly what that means. I imagine it has something to do with wizards having recently acquired D and D beyond, uh, the demo that they showed showed a virtual tabletop, like 3d models looked very pretty. It's supposedly built in, was it unreal or unity? One of the two big game engines it i mean it looked pretty but it was also like one battle map that was clearly built for demo purposes and they did say it's in early development so we have no idea what the timeline is on any of this we know have no idea what the feature set is but there will at least be a virtual tabletop uh this uh this does not spark joy (laughs) yeah i have i have reservations about this too I feel like we, we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes when we've talked about like tools to run an online game and tools to run a game in general. This is one of those spaces where I think there's a lot of great folks out there working already. I, I feel like the market's already getting pretty saturated, and I wonder what it does to the market to have a big player like Watsy come in and say, hey, we have our own. Yeah. So now like, do we wind up with this walled garden of like all these awesome D&D features and everybody else can pound sand or people are like chasing them in the other BTTs to play all the other games that we like to play. Yeah, I my my two big concerns when it comes to this is um well first off no one was really asking for it. I feel um Roll20 is is a great resource and there are, if you want the 3D stuff, I hear great things about Tailspire. Um but uh the the thing that I'm worried about is that now that Watsi has entered the VTT space, that now we won't be able to get digital supplements to use on Roll Twenty anymore. That that's going to be exclusive to this VTT because that uh, uh, speaking as someone who has is knowledgeable in game digital game design, there are a lot of red flags that are going off for me when it, when I see stuff like this, and that is one of them. The other one is uh, downloadable content. Um, which it seems like they are probably going to lean heavily into. Um, they said it's going to be pretty basic when it comes out, but that you can expand it with lots of DLC. And it's just like, okay, so now in addition to buying physical copies of stuff, as well as now 
digital copies that I probably already had in Roll20. I have to probably buy those again. And uh, now I have to buy like models for each of the monsters or stuff that you come out with or more maps or stuff like that. So this could be monetized to hell. And that's what makes me very nervous. See, on the flip side, I can imagine when uh, once you first acquired D&D Beyond, we were having this conversation of like, okay, what are, the, what, what are they going to do? What are some of the things that might be good or bad? Imagine if this is part of that where, and this feels really pro-consumer, imagine if when I bought my digital content, the game became available through their VTT to play for free. That would be great. You know, to, to pay for the price of me purchasing it. Well, it, it would be pro-consumer in the sense that, well, yeah, I bought the material once and now have access to it in an environment where I can play and I can bring other people in. It feels like a death knell for 5e on other VTTs. Like, even yeah. if they literally would sell the product the same way that they sell it, you know, I'm basically sitting here thinking, am I going to buy the product one more time so I can play in Rule 20? Or am I just going to say I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go play in, you know, in, in this new whatever it's going to be called? dd digital yeah i I agree with you guys the the most likely way that this plays out is wizard like attaches this to the dd beyond content that you own and the business model functionally locks out other virtual tabletops from being a platform to sell the same adventures which of course currently that's only fantasy grounds and roll 20 but still like take the number one virtual tabletop and the number two virtual tabletop and take away their primary business model. It's like, ah, okay. It's a reeks of monopoly guys. Yeah. Um, Also wizards has tried to do a virtual tabletop in the past and it did not go well. I mean, okay. But the internet basically didn't exist at that point. Um, okay. (laughs) Um, it was like a year or two before Rule 20 got big. Uh, there was some real life human tragedy involved. Like it mm, did not go well. I'm not excited about this. Hey, buddy, how did you get your next your Netflix films at that point in, in history? In the mail. <laughs> yeah. He's got, That's hey, all I'm saying. He does have a point. But uh, I will reserve judgment until I see a final product. Maybe they will surprise me. Um, but I do think that even if the Roll, Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds and all the other sites get their get 5e taken away from them. Uh, they still have all of the others. Um, so they still have, I mean, Call of Cthulhu is the second most played. Uh, Pathfinder and uh, Call of Cthulhu are the two ones that are most played besides uh, 5e. And it doesn't seem like Paizo is going to be making a VTT anytime soon. No. Yeah, I mean, 5e actually wasn't the number one spot for Roll20 when we got those numbers last time, right? I think it was, it, it was like, uh, it may have been any variety of D&D. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, it went like any variety of D&D, then any variety of Pathfinder, then um, Call of Cthulhu, then Vampire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fine. I guess that's the point. Uh, one more thing that, you know, doesn't need to be thrown out in the universe again, but here I go anyway. I could 100% see this tying into a subscription service. We talked about this last time, the idea of, okay, look, you don't have to buy the new books when they come out. You just pay for the premium package and I make all the books available to you or you pay for the lesser package. And, you know, I, I make like the core source books and maybe one adventure available to you, something like this. Um, you know, I'm sure they've got somebody doing the, the modeling in the background to say like, okay, you know, based on consumer activities and based on what we've seen literally every other form of media do, how is this going to play out? We shall see. Yeah. It's ironically, 
Tyler will save money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so let's talk about uh let's talk about the other big thing that was announced. Was there one a... D and D? Oh yeah. That one. <laughs> so all right. So for those of you who haven't been through an edition and rollover. I have not. Which speaking of which, like let's go and let's get everybody name it. Uh I started in 5e. I have never played any other edition of uh of Dungeons and Dragons. I have now played a second edition Pathfinder. Uh, I'm terrified. I'm not enjoying this. I have these I have these beautiful books sitting on my shelf and I'm looking at them. They're literally withering away to nothing before my eyes. Like I went to grab one earlier and it was just ash in my palm. Well, <laughs> a, a uh, good st- stipulation about that is that Watsi has announced that this will be completely backwards compatible. You don't need to throw away your 5e books. Um, it's just like, and it seems like they are like they're calling it D&D one. Uh, although people have been making the joke D and done, <laughs> which is, I love, and it's great. Um, but it, it is, it's essentially 5.5. I don't, people are saying, oh, it's sixth edition. It's not like, it looks like, it looks like a uh, 5.5. Like it looks like they are still very much 5e kind of rules, at least from what we've seen so far that are just sort of having some new stuff tweaked old a uh, new stuff added on old stuff tweaked um and things like that so it's like more of an expansion to fifth edition i would say rather than an expansion in errata to to fifth edition than like a full new edition ash I, I don't know how you can say that with a straight face though i mean seriously <laughs> like crits crits succeed no matter oh, what oh we'll get to that it's we'll, a we'll, completely we'll, different game we'll get to that we'll get to that <laughs> i have thoughts but um it's, I, I don't even recognize it anymore. But I mean, the, 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 the stuff that people have said on the forums is that ultimately people are going to pick and choose what rules they want to keep and what rules they want to ignore, as has been the case in all. Of the <laughs> as is tradition. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I started in fifth edition as well, but I have played 3.5 X with Pathfinder. So I do know um, the stuff that D and D kind of used to be. Um, and they both have their upsides and their downsides. So everybody's saying the sky is on fire and that it's falling. It's not. Let's try to relax, okay? This is playtest material, and <laughs> it's not going to ruin your game. You can ignore it. People have been playing three point. People have been playing two E for a long. Like the, the Lamentations of the Flame Princess is essentially that. Um, so if you don't like it. You can keep playing fifth edition. It's fine. No one's going to judge you. <laughs> All right, let me go right, put youngsters. away my pitchfork. I'll go hang it on the wall. <laughs> all right, youngsters. I, I got some old man wisdom to drop on all of you. Oh, boy. All right. I started playing in third edition, like OG, fresh off the presses, just came out, weren't even splat books yet. Third edition. Oof. I've been through this. You're going to be okay. They're not doing a spell plague this time where they murder all of the deities in the Forgotten Realms. They're not doing that. Yeah, I heard like, about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the transition from 3.0 to 3.5 was worse than this. Like, so much worse than this. There wasn't a playtest. There wasn't a way to really do, like, a public playtest because it was, like, early days of the internet, like 2002, 2003. Very early days of the internet. Um there was a conversion guide, which you could briefly get online through the Wizards website, and it was a PDF, and it took an hour to download over, over your crappy dial-up modem. Uh, things are better now. 
3.5 was nominally backwards compatible with 3rd edition, but as soon as you actually tried to do anything backwards compatible, basically everything fell off the rails. So looking at what they're doing with 1D&D, from what we've seen so far, like the major changes that they're almost definitely going to stick with are changes to the character creation rules. So it's basically, they're going to change how you build your character for a variety of reasons, you're going to end up in roughly the same place. You're, it looks like your characters are going to be about as powerful as they were previously, which means as long as everyone's basically on the same power level, all of those existing adventures all still work fine. And since they're saying that the adventures are still, like, those are still going to be compatible with the new rules, it's kind of fuzzy on the character creation rules currently, but... For the adventures, at least, that means, like, all of the monsters still works. All your monster books still work fine, probably. All of your adventures still work fine. So, like, if you've got a shuffle of adventures, you're like, I never got to run it. Like, you still got time, man. You have two years, at least, before the new dish comes out, and then however long. Uh, well, a uh, little bit of trivia also about uh, the transition from 3.0 to 3.5. Since we're talking about Planescape, Part of the explanation for why so many things changed was because Vecna tried to overthrow the Lady of Pain, who is the ruler of Sigil in Planescape, and she rewrote the laws of reality. So, yeah. Classic <laughs> Vecna. <laughs> Classic Vecna. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm bored. Let's go overthrow something. Okay, wait, so Planescape is about to come out again, or Planescape's about to come out. Mm -hmm. So they'll probably do something like that again. History <laughs> <laughs> repeats itself. Uh, and hey, Vecna's hot. People are into Vecna right now. I'll just say <laughs> one of the most interesting things about uh, uh, Planescape, and this is kind of a tangent, is is the Lady of Pain. She like gods have no power over her. Vecna is terrified of her. So, and no one knows who <laughs> she is. She's just a person who's always been. But yes, should we talk about one D and D? Yeah. Um, so, so there are some things I am really excited to see with this. So they advertise that they're going to work on more inclusive depictions of characters, which has been a long, long standing criticism of D and D like fifth edition D and D was the first player's handbook where we had uh, depictions of iconic characters who were people of color before that, like you were either white or you were a dragonborn or a tiefling, I guess like, mm so uh things have come a long way there's still a long way to go uh it it's exciting to potentially see characters in the books more representative of the real world people who are playing the game um we're also getting the first digital physical bundle coming this fall which i don't know why they advertise this in the middle of the one D, &D thing but Dragonlance, there's a dig digital physical bundle we'll have a link in the show notes it does go around your friendly local game store, which is unfortunate, but like it is still a good deal. Uh, I'm hoping in the future they bring in the friendly local game stores because we love them. Yeah, I think there's there's hope for that, right? Like they're they're going to see how this goes. They're going to figure out the holes in their system, uh, and then hopefully there's this one book where it works out this way. And in the future, they come up with a repeatable pattern uh, where they can easily give us our digital physical bundles, but still let us go have the experience at the friendly local game store. Uh, I guess, would you, can you buy the friendly local game store only deluxe cover while getting the digital bundle for this? Do we know that yet? I don't think so. It looks like there's going to be three covers. Oh, okay. So like there's the friendly local game store only version. There's the regular version. And then there's the box set version. 
Like if you buy the the special edition cover, it doesn't come in the box set. So if you want if you want like all three covers, you have to buy the book three times, not counting digital. So uh have fun, collectors. Woo! That's how they get you. <laughs> Uh, my wallet hurts. So I know we don't have a, a time to go into de- in depth with the the changes that one D and D made, but maybe we should go around and talk about highlights. Like, what did you? What are you most excited about? What do you think? Uh, what are you less excited about? And like, what do you think really needs to not be in the final product? Uh, well, let's see. So things I'm excited about. Um, I like that they're encouraging custom backgrounds as the default. I'm a little sad that we're losing like the traits, ideals, bonds, flaws concept because yeah. I feel like that was a really good starting point for picking your character's personality. Now it never really got used, which honestly I feel I feel like that was a f- failure in writing in the player's handbook. So it kind of makes sense that it went away, but I kind of wish they'd give that another swing and see if they can make it work better this time. What do you think? Uh, what 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 gives you a lot of fear? Like, what are you not excited about? The spell list changes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So what are you seeing that you worry about? So, you know, you know how Pathfinder 2nd Edition has four spell lists? It's Occult, Arcane, Divine, Primal? Yeah. Yes. They have three spell lists. Mm. Arcane, yep. Divine, Primal. Which conceptually have kind of always been there, but the fact that they're just saying, okay, Rangers, Druids, exactly the same spell list. Clerics, Paladins, exactly the same spell list. Bards, Sorcerers, Wizards, Warlocks, exactly the same yeah, spell my- list. And you go, Hang on. <laughs> yeah, my worry yeah, is... I don't want, want my wizard casting Hex. Yeah, my worry is Warlocks, right? Like, I didn't see Eldritch Blast anywhere, unless I missed it. Uh, it's not. If they take Maybe away, it becomes a class feat instead? If they take away Maybe. Eldritch Blast, I will riot. That's <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That's, I mean, that was the level one class feature for the Warlock in 3.5 when they introduced Warlocks to D&D. Like, I would be very surprised if they took that away. Yeah. But but again, it, like maybe the class feat winds up being the way that you get that customization in an interesting way. Like maybe you wind up with peat trees tied to this instead of having the spell list dedicated to it. Yeah, so I'll hold off that on on uh, getting my pitchfork until I see the class changes. <laughs> what about you, Randall? Okay. What are you excited about? So actually, I, I wanted to go to the same thing for spell class, uh, the spell list. So I'm glad Tyler brought it up. In general, I want to play more PF2 than I have, and I'm looking at the feat structure, and I'm looking at that spell list, and I'm wondering what this is going to mean for the future, and I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, I I can hear the PF2 folks in the background, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) From what I've read, apparently Wizards has been hiring a lot of former Pathfinder people recently. Like, our, our friend Amanda is now the senior senior creative director i think i can't remember her exact title she was in the video we were excited to see her yeah so like there's a lot of former pathfinder people working on this so i would absolutely not be surprised if we see a lot of pathfinder second edition bleed into the new rules but honestly i think that's probably going to be great uh i hope i fully expect that it winds up feeling different enough that you're not sitting here squinting it's like okay is this really just pf2 light you know, I, I, I don't think that we're going to get there. I think that they'll find a way to make a distinction that feels exciting and it feels rewarding for folks who have really enjoyed 5e because 5e has brought a lot of people not just to the hobby of playing D&D, but to the hobby of playing tabletop in general. Um, there was one small interesting thing which I brought up a moment ago, the idea that we're now lumping our saving throws, ability checks, 
and attack rolls all into the test idea, and that a 1 on a 20 automatically fails, and a 20 on a 20 automatically succeeds. Hey, if you're really bad at rolling dice, now you can also say that you don't test well. <laughs> That's good. <sighs> all right, thanks everybody for joining the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree with you that that is uh weird very controversial for good reason i hope they reconsider that yeah i mean the, and, and the one thing is we've always had this conversation right like you cannot walk up to the king and say king please give me the kingdom roll a 20 and get the kingdom um now i i think the dm still has the discretion to say it's like yes your uh, you know attempt to persuade uh, worked and they're going to give you a horse because they think you're cute and funny the but horse's name is kingdom yeah soft actually okay good yeah i'm not, wor- I'm not worried about it anymore this is going to be fine <laughs> the the monkey's paw of natural 20s <laughs> perfect that's that's exactly what we need Oof. but but yeah so i, I think this is going to be interesting uh hey actually okay so this is worth pointing out so you're listening to this you're excited about it i'm sure a lot of folks who are who are Longtime listeners have already actually read the material. Uh, September 15th, the feedback form is opening. So if you are passionate, if you're looking, especially if you're actually playtesting some of these rules and finding ways uh, that they could or, you know, hey, this kind of ruined this part of my game, or I really love this part, that feedback form is going to open. Yeah, give it to them. Let them know. You know, don't just scream into the void of the internet. Don't scream in your car as you're listening to this podcast. For sure. Tell Watsy. They said they're going to listen to feedback. I guess it's my turn, and this is where I'm probably yeah. going to make a lot of enemies. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have some controversial takes, I think, based on what I've seen. Uh, maybe not in terms of my likes, but in terms of my dislikes. Uh, it was some of my likes. But um, uh, I do like the that feats are no longer optional, because they never really were. Um, people have always used feats, and I like that we're bringing back feats into like a real a really important part of character creation because one of the things that i did like about pathfinder one and now pathfinder two that i'm looking at it is all the customization options you can do with feats and i think if they really lean into that it could be a lot of fun because one of the pro one of the complaints about 5e is that all of the classes end up uh, uh, all, every person who plays a class ends up kind of feeling the same uh, I mean, the subclasses are different and stuff, but there's very little difference between any one paladin or any one druid and stuff like that. Maybe the only exception is a warlock, because uh, warlock has the most customization to it. Um, but uh, some, uh, I also am in disagreement with you guys. I don't mind the automatic success and automatic failure of D20s, uh, 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 of 20s and 1s, because I've used that anyway. Uh, and I think a lot of people have. Um, it doesn't break a lot. And the thing is, like, just because someone rolls a natural 20, and this has happened to me several times where someone does a, persuade, a persuasion check that I don't think is going to succeed, but then they roll a natural 20, I don't have to give them everything they want. Just because you succeed at something doesn't mean that it's like you're going to get everything handed to you. So if you go up to the king and say, oh, I want the kingdom, and you roll a natural 20, you're still not going to get the kingdom. You'll just be, it'll give you a higher amount of success. The way I treat it is you'll get a higher amount of success than you would have otherwise. So maybe the king is like, well, he wasn't going to be the time of day, but now he's like, you know what? I like your gumption. I like the balls on you. 
how about uh, you go and save my daughter and maybe I'll make you my, my son-in-law or something like that. Um, and now you have a quest. But th there are ways to handle it where it's not all just like, oh, no, it's the apocalypse, it's doom and it's gloom. Um, so I think there are ways to handle it. Um, as far as, you know, I wish they had stolen more from Pathfinder 2 when it came <laughs> to races. Because, yes, well, I do like that they said you can make the races kind of however you want. And if you're making a half race, you can take something from other races. And, you know, I... I felt like that was kind of a cop-out, and I felt like, you know, I want half-race stats stuff because those were cool. Uh, you could do something like what Pathfinder does with ancestries um, uh, and heritages vers and versatile heritages. So you could do something like that. I would like to see them add something similar without, like, ripping it totally off so that we don't get a Pathfinder too late. And now for my most controversial take, which I talked about last time. I want to crit. <laughs> I want to be able to crit as a DM. I know people don't like like this opinion, and I I will admit that I'm in the minority, but I like not being in control all the time as a DM. I will hold off judgment until because it seems like what they want to do is they want to replace uh, DM crits with uh, rechargeable abilities, which is fine. Uh, but my problem with it is is that oftentimes. Players can get, you know, I think the argument against DMs creating is like sometimes you can get screwed over just by the luck of the dice and maybe sometimes even die by the luck of the dice. But that's kind of what makes it fun and exciting. Uh, and it also creates a sense of camaraderie between the DM and the players. Sometimes the roles are just against you. Um, and the DM is like, this sucks. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it just... It happens. But when the DM has the ability to choose between whether your character lives or dies, then it creates a sort of adversarial component between the DM and the player. Because now, if you are screwed over by a monster, it's because the DM made a conscious choice to do so. And that doesn't feel great. So either you're playing with kid gloves on all the time or you're trying to kill your players, which is not a position that I like being in. And just to, to summarize the other, the whole crit changes, I think, are just kind of a swing and a miss. I don't like that crits are only on weapon damage now. It kind of makes rogues irrelevant unless they ch do some substantial changes to rogues in the class features. Extra dice. Yeah, and <laughs> like it's just a hard nerf to rogues for no reason. Paladins too. and paladins, yeah. yeah, and paladins. Like one of the greatest part, the greatest parts of being a paladin is getting a crit and smiting, and like assassin rogues, like that's their whole thing is crit fishing and. Now, there's no point to doing that because I'm only ever going to get another D4, which, I don't know, feels bad, and I don't feel like it was a change that was necessarily needed. I get not creating on spell damage. I'm fine with that. We need a way to have martial characters have more relevance in the late game, and that's fine. Wizards are broken is enough already. <laughs> so give the martial characters the ability to create. I'm fine with that. But don't limit it to just weapon damage because that's lame. I don't know. There's my hot take. <laughs> Feel free to at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and then maybe one more thing worth talking about. So 
folks like rpgbot.net. They like it for its rpgbot.content. content. They especially like the rpgbot.character character optimization guides. Uh, yeah, what's happening? Uh, well, let's see. So we are doing full text reviews of all of the playtest documents, like deep, detailed mechanical analysis. We'll have written opinions from everyone on the team who cares to share one. So like we're going to cover these in much more depth than we can cover them on the podcast. And also as soon as one D and D like the final version of the game, as soon as that's out, we're going to be working on optimization content for it. like, don't worry. We'll be there with you the entire step of the way. All that entire one step. Yes. <laughs> Every step of the way. <laughs> Goodness. Awesome. And, and I do think like we've kind of had, there's already been this experiment with uh, Mordekainen's coming out. The fact that, all right, how many different versions of this particular race have we seen? How many different versions of this class have we seen? So I feel like, you know, you've had a, a good opportunity to work with the team to come up with a shape for this so that it's easy to navigate to say, okay, well, what am I playing with? What I'm, you know, what parts of this do I actually want to take with me? And I think ultimately when this comes out, it's just going to be more of the same. So ultimately, yeah, I think things are going to be just fine. Yeah, for sure. I think some of this will stay. I think some of this will get rewritten or changed or thrown out. Um, and like Tyler said, we'll get through this. Uh, and <laughs> if you don't, if you hate D&D 1, if you absolutely despise it, 5th edition is still there. Or hey, maybe this is an excuse to check out Pathfinder 2nd edition. It's probably a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the show and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on RPGbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. Hopefully Dan doesn't mind that we ran a little over time. <laughs>